Yeah, so, so here we are. It's the fourth Sunday of the Easter season. It's the third Sunday that we've been in the book of First Peter, and it's our first Sunday in the second chapter of that book. If you remember, First Peter is written by the Apostle Peter, and yes, that Peter, the, the rock on which Jesus said he would build his church. In our first week, we learned that as Christ followers, we've all become exiles. We have moved. We've changed our residency from the kingdom of man to the kingdom of God. And that's hard, man, because I still want to live in pink houses. I come from the land of John Mellencamp. We liked pink houses there. And it's hard because we still have to live here, though, even though we're residents of God's kingdom on an earth that is constantly trying to get us to conform to humanity's ideals, humanity's ways, and humanity's corrupted purposes. Last week, Pastor Shauna reminded us that we are all slinkies. The world gave us one purpose, and it was a useful purpose as far as navigating a world created by us fallen humans is concerned. It was a useful purpose. But like the slinky, God has given us a new purpose, and it's way more fun. It's more life-giving and more magical. And now today, Peter calls us Legos. Does anyone here know the original purpose of a Lego? Anyone? It's a fascinating story. The Lego was created to be a toy. That's it. <laughs> it's always been a toy. <laughs> Legos were invented by, he, he was a toy maker. He made toys out of wood from Denmark named Ole Kirk Christensen. And from the beginning, the Lego has always been and will always be a toy. Actually, in the very beginning, the brick was, was a bit of a castaway. Ole first encountered a small building block made of plastic. It was a marketing trinket, a giveaway to toy makers by this British plastic injection mold manufacturer. It was a new thing. And they're trying to get people to buy this plastic mold injection thing that injects the mold in the, the plastic in the mold. And in a time of scarce materials following World War II, plastic was being marketed as a cheap alternative traditional to traditional manufacturing materials that were in scarce supply. And so Ole's wooden toy business, it had failed multiple times. It had burned down multiple times. And so he saw this injection mold plastic as the company's future. Things weren't going so well, though. It was taking a, hard time, a long time to, to, to get off the ground. And so eventually he started recreating those throwaway plastic bricks. The original ones were made by Kitty Craft, and they even thought the idea was worthless. Like it wasn't making them any money. No one was buying these bricks. That's why they were using as giveaways. And so they're like, look, you don't have to pay us copyright anything. You can just have at it. Go ahead. It ain't doing anything for us. And now, look at the amazing, beautiful things being built out of these once worthless plastic cast-off bricks. In today's scripture, Peter says that the same is true of us. 
Because as exiles, we are cast-offs in the kingdom of man, seen as worthless and strange. But God sees us, like all of us, as foundational to the beautiful kingdom that God is building. And so hear this. This is 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. Peter says, Rid yourselves, therefore, of all malice and all guile, insincerity, envy, and slander. Like newborn infants, long for the pure spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow into salvation, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. Come to him, a living stone, though rejected by mortals, yet chosen and prescient in God's sight. And like living stones, let yourselves be built into a spiritual house, to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in Scripture, See, I am laying in Zion a stone. A what kind of stone? A cornerstone, chosen and precious. And whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. To you then who believe, he is precious. But for those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected has become the very head of the corner. corner and a stone that makes them stumble, and a rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they disobey the word as they were destined to do. But you, you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's own people, in order that you may proclaim the mighty acts of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, But now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Lord God, we do thank you for the mercy that you pour out upon us. And so pour out your holy word upon us today. Build us up. Turn us into living stones that we might yet be alive in this world doing your work, building your house, that your kingdom might indeed come. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Be like an infant, a newborn infant. That's my life verse. That way when the kids I have lunch with at Stony Point, when they look at me and tell me to stop being such a baby, (laughs) I can just say, I'm just doing what what the Bible tells me to do. I'm being a baby, a newborn infant. Actually, Peter is just continuing the metaphor here that he started in chapter one. We all, he said, have experienced new birth through Christ. And so like new infants, we should be craving more and more spiritual things, more and more spiritual milk that we might be growing in our faith always, growing into the salvation that Christ has already offered to all of us. But then Peter totally switches metaphors as he begins to tell us what a life of salvation actually looks like. He goes from making babies to making buildings. And we get the answers to three questions along the way. 
Now, normally, I wait until the end of the sermon to ask one of these two questions, but we're going to start today with what did Jesus do? Then we're going to ask what did Peter do? And finally, what's the last question always? What will I do? So what did Jesus do? Well, in a sentence, Jesus laid the cornerstone of God's new eternal temple here on earth. And this, by the way, I don't know if you heard it, Peter is kind of flexing his memory verse muscles in this chapter especially. He was doing it in the first chapter, but now he goes into overdrive. I mean, over half of what I just read is quotation from the Old Testament. He wants us to be sure that the things that we see happening through Christ, they're nothing new. God had planned them from the beginning. So in chapter 28, 15, or 16, the prophet Isaiah shares God's words with the people of Judah who have stopped following God's words. And Peter quotes that. See, he writes, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone chosen and precious. We and Peter's original listeners, we both know what the apostle is saying, that Christ is the cornerstone, and he was placed at his resurrection, that the foundation of God's new temple on earth. You see, the second temple, just a few years, 30 years after Christ died, the second temple in Jerusalem was destroyed by the Roman Empire. The one where Jesus turned over the tables, the one where Peter and other disciples had, had, had done miracles, that temple has now been destroyed, God's home on earth the holiest of holies. And while that was a terrifying theological blow for the Jews and many of the Jewish Christians, Peter knows that Christ's resurrection rebuilt the temple, not made of stone and mortar, but made of Christ and his disciples. And in this new temple, Christ stands as the what? Cornerstone. And the story that God has been telling again and again in the Old Testament is still being told in the New. And so Peter turns to Psalm 118.22 to remind us of this key part of the kingdom temple building process. The stone that the builders rejected has become the very head of the corner, the corner stone. So like that original plastic brick, Christ was cast off, worthless, And worse than worthless, Christ was dangerous. He was detrimental. He was destructive. The ones then who were tasked with building God's kingdom on earth, the Pharisees and the priests and the leaders at the temple, the ones who were tasked with caring for that temple, they rejected Jesus. They rejected the cornerstone. And yet, Peter tells us that this very same God who used Sarah, you remember Sarah, she laughed at God's plans. The same God that used Moses, a murderer, David, a philanderer and a murderer, and Ruth, a Moabite from Moab. This very same God has set the rejected Messiah as the cornerstone of his eternal kingdom. And the thing is that while Jesus might be the cornerstone, you know, the most important brick in the building, the cornerstone ain't the whole building. Right? Like if you just have a cornerstone and it rains, you can get wet. (laughs) Right? The cornerstone isn't the whole building. The new eternal kingdom temple isn't finished. The building process isn't over. We're all part of that. 
being built into a new temple. So what did Jesus do? He laid the cornerstone. And what did Peter do? Peter failed. I, I mean, at first, Peter failed. You see, he rejected the idea that he might be a foundation on which the new temple would be built. In fact, right after Jesus says, Peter, you're the rock. You're the rock on which my church will be built. Right after that, Peter says, and Jesus says, I'm going to die and be resurrected. Peter says, no, you're not. And Jesus says those famous words. Peter says, no, you're not. Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. You're a stumbling block to me, he says. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, merely human concerns. You see, Peter did not yet realize that, that Jesus was building a new temple, a kingdom temple, a kingdom of God temple, not a kingdom of man building. And then when Jesus gets arrested and, and put to death, what did the foundation do? He denied he even knew him. He denied that he was part of the building project. He failed. He laid a horrible foundation like Peter wasn't a rock, he was what? Sand. Peter was sand, and the church might have sunk in that sand. You see, like the Kittycraft creators, Peter looked at what he had, at what he was, and all he saw was this useless brick. We thought it might have been something, but we're losing money. I'm nothing. He had no faith no trust, no hope. He was willing to let all those possibilities die right along with Jesus. Only Jesus didn't stay dead. Jesus rose. He was resurrected, and so then was Peter's trust. So then was Peter's hope. So then was Peter's belief that he might indeed possibly maybe just be the foundation of the church one day, this new temple the cornerstone was set, and now the foundation was laid. So what did Peter do? He became, eventually, the foundation. But was this new eternal kingdom temple finished? If you have a cornerstone and a foundation, and you come running in and say, look what I made! That's nice. <laughs> you snapped a Lego on another Lego. If you have two of the most essential building pieces in the Lego building set, do you yet have the building? No. Which leads us to our last question. What will I do? What will we do? What will you do? Because we do have a choice. Like, Will you continue to live as a cast-off, kitty-craft, interlocking building cube. That was the name. No wonder it didn't sell. Mommy, I want an interlocking building cube. Say that three times, Eleanor. <laughs> <laughs> Will you continue to live as a pre-resurrection Peter, denying Christ? And maybe you're not openly denying his resurrection, but Reading Peter this time around has caused me to look myself in the mirror and ask, when do I deny my God-created usefulness? When do I deny that maybe, possibly, I might just 
be worthy? When do I deny that I am holy? That I might be a foundational brick in Christ's eternal kingdom church. And when I do deny that, am I denying Christ? Am I denying Christ's purpose for me that was inaugurated at his resurrection? Because how often do we listen to the world? How often do we listen to humanity's kingdom, to Satan's seductive lies whispered in our most vulnerable moments? You are worthless. You have no purpose. You have no meaning. I mean, isn't that how most man-made advertisements work? Right? They convince us that we're worthless without this product or that pill or those clothes. They try and persuade us that we can buy our worth. Most of us can't afford that kind of worth. And when we can and we do buy into it, does it work? No. And they know it doesn't work because they need us to buy more. If it worked, we'd be done. Sometimes it can feel like we're just washed up, used up, doing nothing but taking space like those Legos from our kids that still hang out in our closet even though no one's playing with them anymore. Whenever I think thoughts like that, I've got this image ingrained in my mind. It was from when I was in Haiti most recently, and as I looked around, I'm reminded of these mounds of cast-off plastic bottles in some of the most beautiful places in the country, covered with plastic. Like I'm, I feel like one of those bottles, you know, maybe I was good for something once. Maybe I brought joy once. Maybe I was filled with bubbly happiness once. But now, I'm worthless. I'm detrimental, even dangerous. But Peter reminds us that God doesn't see us that way. Listen, listen to this. This is the coolest thing I've, I've heard in a long time. So a couple of years ago, UNICEF, you know the little penny, the, UNICEF, they partnered with a com- company from Colombia that is turning recycled mounds of plastic, just like this, into construction materials. And all you need to build a building are these blocks of compressed Compressed plastics, recycled. All you need are the blocks and a hammer. They just snap together. And now these cast-off bits of waste are becoming literal building blocks of hope and new life to families in places as far from Colombia as Cote d'Ivoire. Cote d'Ivoire, there, like so many places in in Cote d'Ivoire, women are historically marginalized. Education is something reserved from the wealthy. They have one of the highest rates of children not in school in the world. And even when they are in school, could you imagine a kindergarten teacher, hundreds of kids in one class. I can't manage like two kindergartners, much less a hundred of them. And there aren't enough teachers or buildings to properly educate the next generation. But now, after this company figured out a way to recycle, reuse, resurrect these cast-off plastics, women are finding an income, and it's women who are gathering cast-off plastic and selling them back to the factory that will, in just a few weeks, make bricks, that in just a few other weeks will make a school building, one that is so much more permanent safe, 
and healthy than the traditional mud brick buildings they're used to. You see that bright and beautiful up in the corner? I don't know how y'all can see that. That's the traditional, that's what they were educating in, mud brick buildings that were falling apart, melting literally in the heat and the elements. We all know plastic doesn't go anywhere. (laughs) These buildings, the new ones, will stand for years, decades, even a hundred years, educating, building a foundation of education for the next generations. And these recycled plastic building blocks were inspired by what? Legos snapping together. Which brings us to that question. What will I do? Who will I be? Will you allow God to do with you what God did with Jesus? What God did with Peter? What God did with the people of Cote d'Ivoire and their cast-off plastics? Will you allow God to use you like a Lego building this new eternal kingdom temple through you. God began the work with Christ as the cornerstone. He laid a foundation with Peter, and he seeks to assemble all you human bricks, you living stones, Peter says, into a new sanctuary, not confined by any of these dead brick walls, but across the globe. And just in case, case you still aren't convinced that you're worthy, that you're holy, that God sees you, yes, even you, as essential to God's grand design. Remember these words from Peter, Peter who himself did not think he was worthy, right? Peter writes, but you, and when he said you, he meant him. (laughs) He meant me. Most importantly, he meant you are a chosen people a royal priesthood, a holy nation. You are God's own people in order that you might proclaim the excellence of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Amen? Amen. Look what you can build together. A temple not made by man right? But eternal, eternal, eternal.